Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. What I'm going to talk about is is something that I believe that will not only give you hope, but it'll give you a security in your life than you've ever had before. And it's because this foundation is so mandatory for your life to be successful. And it's so mandatory for your life to be secure. And that's what I want to share with you this morning on Resurrection Sunday that we, we celebrate each year And I want to bring it to another place in your life to where this celebration is something that you live. It's something that produces exactly what we we saw in those words, hope, peace, deliverance, freedom, all the things that we're wanting in our own personal lives is something that we can have every single day based upon this one foundation, this one truth. Because you all know out there, there are so many voices. There's so many different opinions and feelings. There's so many viewpoints on God's word. There's so much out there that, that can cause even a strong believer to stray away. But see, I don't believe anybody strays when they understand this one truth. And that's what I want us all to understand as love life, as, as people that are here and you're like going, I'm here for Easter, but I'm also here to hopefully turn things around. I've been doing this for a long time. I love the Lord. I serve him daily. This is my life. And again, like I said, I've been doing it for a long time. In that, I need you to understand something that when it comes down to me personally, I don't go into this day like a normal Easter, a normal celebration Sunday. I go in it the same way that I'm expecting each one of you, and that is, I want some change. I want some change. I'll never arrive until we're in heaven. We all never arrive, but I always believe that there's something better, there's something greater, there's something more that I can get hold of in my daily walk with Jesus. And that's my faith. And that's my belief for each and one of you that today is that day for you. This is that day, this Resurrection Sunday day, something is going to happen in you that's going to transform you. It's going to change you. It's going to give you a hope. It's going to give you something that is going to help you deal with all the things you're dealing with right now. Because see, religion can't do this. Church can't do this. But this truth can. And this is the truth I want you to know. This is the truth I want you to get hold of. I want you to live this truth because this is what transforms a Monday. This is what helps you get through the days, helps you understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This truth Now, don't get me wrong. There are other truths that we receive. There are other truths that help us from the place of receiving Jesus. And we mature and grow in those truths. We mature and grow in the understanding of Scripture. 
But I'm telling you, this foundation is a key outside of Scripture. This foundation is the reason why we have the Bible. So you don't have this foundation, it's going to be a little messed up. Because you might be founded on other things that can be easily misinterpreted falsely. It can be manipulated through a person's opinion. Things that would cause you to question. But this truth, this truth sets you. It concretes you. It places you in an unmovable position. And that's what we all need as followers of Jesus. I don't know. Are you guys ready for this? Is anybody ready out there live stream? Are you ready for this stuff? Or, or should we just, you know, say a prayer, have communion, go home? Go get our, go get our, uh, a lot of people eat ham, which I just, ham on Easter is almost like, what? <laughs> and I'm not saying that's wrong. Don't get me wrong, you know. You got that honey smoked ham, you know, bring some, I'll eat it. I'm just saying, isn't that weird though? Ham, you know. Anyway, let's move on. When Jesus died, and, and this is what I wanted, let's go, let's go just common sense, y'all with me? You know, let's get, let's get practical. Let's look at the Bible correctly. Let's don't, you know, Christianize it. Let's, let's just be real. Because if we can't be real, it's not real to us. So we've got to get hold of this correctly. Everybody get this? You got to get hold of it right. If you don't, you create a religion. You create this, this stuff that does not hold ground in a person's life. It doesn't help you stabilize. So we're going to look at this information. Amen. Jesus died. He was crucified. And he died. That's a fact. Crucified. And he died. The thing is, is once he died. We have to look at the facts of the history, the facts of scripture, the facts of this truth and put this stuff together correctly because this is what happens. We, we put focus in on specific things as if this is where my power and strength lies. And this is why the church is so weak. And I'm talking about the church at large is so weak because they lost sight or they've never been taught this mandatory foundational truth. And I'm going to show you. When I start showing you this, you're going to go, this is what's cool. You're going to go, this makes sense. This makes sense. And that's what I believe Jesus was trying to show us all, even through the Gospels. When he would communicate deep spiritual things, he would say, a farmer sows seed in the ground. <gasps> this makes sense. And the seed grows. And sometimes it doesn't, because sometimes it lands on hard ground. This makes sense, right? But somehow religion comes in and says, now I got to make it hard because I'm so special. I know more than you. You can't be where I am because I'm super spiritual, man. And that's the goofiness of this stuff. But what we understand is we're followers of Jesus. And what does that mean? It means Monday's relevant we come to church, we gather here, Monday's relevant. After church is relevant. 
And if the information I'm not getting isn't helping me, then it ain't worth my time. Amen. So you open up, get your heart prepared, get your ears open. Like Jesus said, do you have ears to hear? Hear what I'm about to say. Turn to John chapter 19, verse 38. We'll start in John 19, verse 38. This is after the death of Jesus, uh, right after. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Jesus is dead. Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. The dead body of Jesus. Y'all with me? All right. Notice this isn't, this is a secret agent Christian. He ain't telling no one he's a Christian because he's got fear of, you know, they'll do something to me. Then we got another guy showing up that's going to be one of the top Pharisees of Pharisees. He was accompanied by Nicodemus. There it is. He was part of the Sanhedrin, the highest group of religion at that time. They were like the, the heads of everyone in the Jewish religion. Jesus said, Nicodemus, you're a great teacher. So he had the ability to teach Old Testament truths. And so Nicodemus is there. Where's the disciples? Where's mom? Where's everybody that had belief and trust in Jesus? See, this is the facts. These are the truths. Jesus is dead. There is no Christianity. There is no Bible. There's a dead Christ. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloe, about 75 pounds, taking Jesus' body because he's dead. The two of them wrapped it with spices, the dead body of Jesus. I'm emphasizing dead. Everybody got that? You figured that one out? Okay, because you're looking at translation. I don't see that. All right. That's the DM translation, Daniel McCluskey translation. You know, I, we, it might kid around that, but I truly do have a DM translation. I'm, I create it when I teach. And I read the way I translate it through the accountability of the full scripture context and the Greek language. Moving right along, one day I hope to have a translation like that. Don't hold me to it. I would like that though. At the Jesus, this this they wrapped the dead body in the strips of linen in accordance with Jewish burial customs because Jesus is dead. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, in the garden, a new tomb, which no one had ever been laid because it was the Jewish day of the preparation. And since the tomb was empty, they laid dead Jesus there. Are you guys with me? So what we see is a dead Jesus, amen? A dead Jesus crucified. Now we have a dead Jesus. And by the way, the next day, it's the same picture, dead Jesus. Everybody got that? Dead Jesus. That's the end. That's it. Now, what we want to look at is, is the facts. And the facts are these. Jesus is dead. And he's buried like every dead person. This isn't like a special, I'm dead, but I'm not really dead. He's dead. He's been wrapped like a dead person. 
Everybody knows Jesus is dead. There is no hope. There's no hope. Jesus is dead. There's no future. He's dead. Are you guys hearing me? Now, let, let focus in on what's going on in that day because this matters to us. Jesus is dead. He's not alive. He's dead. All his disciples not only believe he's dead, but have no hope any longer. No hope. Mary, no hope. All of them, no hope. No hope. Jesus is dead. You'd assume, because we have a Bible, that they all understood. Don't worry about it. Three days, we're going to take the world. But no, not one person, everybody hear me, not one person believes on the third day resurrection. Not one. Oh, wait a minute. What about, what about uh, Mary when she went to Jesus after Lazarus, her, her brother died, and, and Jesus said, you know, do you believe? And she, and, and she said, yeah, you're, you're the Messiah, the soon, you know, I believe, because Jesus was saying, do you believe of the resurrection of the dead? She goes, yes, yes, yes. And we assume that she knew that three days Jesus was risen again and she'd be walking around going, I know, I already knew that. But that's not what she believed. She believed the Old Testament teaching of the resurrection of the dead. She believed that it was the right of the Jews to one day be resurrected at the last day. The Old Testament taught of Messiah, son of God. So yeah, she believed, but she didn't believe what Jesus has been trying to get them to understand. And that is, I'm going to die and on the third day rise again. So she didn't believe. And we see further proof of that. And this is so important to understand because I need you to understand from the point of three and a half years, this was this movement, this power of Messiah, Jesus, he's going to transform the world. Nothing's going to be the same again. And all the disciples following him and believing and believing. But all of a sudden, he's now dead. And there is no hope. There is no belief. None. It's over with. No hope. He's dead. And that's everybody's viewpoint, opinion, belief, and they're living that exact belief. They're not all, all 12 and everybody, Mary and everybody else standing around, getting around the, th the, the third day of the, 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 the tomb and sitting there going, oh man, he's coming back any minute. Let's just stand there and wait for him. No one. No one. It's the end. The dream died. Jesus is dead. You know, according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's exactly what they say. No one had hope. No one believed. You got the gospels going, nah. No one believed. Jesus is dead. The movement's dead. There are no believers. Now you might be thinking, all right, you're driving that point home. I want to drive that point home. I need you to get hold of this. I need you to understand this. John chapter 20, verse 1. John 20, verse 1. 
Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary of Magdalene went to the tomb. Oh, she's a believer. Oh, let's see. She saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb's entrance, so she ran to Simon Peter and the other disciple, whom Jesus loved. That's John, of course. A little arrogant guy, isn't he? He is writing the book of John, correct? Uh, Jesus loves me the best. Anyway, I don't know if you read that before, but that's exactly what John did. He's, he writes about him being in the supper, and, and John was whom Jesus loved. That's what he writes. Oh my gosh. I'm going to tell John he loved me more. No. All right. She saw the, the stone was moved, so she ran to Peter and said, they have removed the Lord. Oh, she ain't a believer. They took Jesus. They took his dead body. Are you guys listening to me? There ain't no believers. There's no movement. There's no Christianity. There's nothing. Jesus is dead. So Peter ran with the other disciple whom Jesus loved. She told them they have removed the Lord from the tomb. We don't know where they put him. So Peter and John headed for the tomb. The two were running side by side. Here we go. Watch this. But the other disciple, John, ran faster than Peter. You're like, come on, this is God-breathed information. I need to know that John's faster than Peter, and John is the one. Come on, are you guys with me on this? This is like, dude, that's how I'd write the story too. Jesus loved me the best, and I was his best follower. And, and by the way, I know they, they screwed up, but I never did. That's normal, right? Isn't that normal way of writing? Problem is, is we get all kinds of screw-ups in here, and it's written, we wouldn't write that way. I'd be writing all the good stuff. Any screw up, I'd go. And the next day. Are you guys with me? That's what's truth about this thing. So they ran. John beat them to it. John bent over, looked inside the tomb. There's his, there's his area of being a little scaredy cat. No, I mean, he's at least be, he's being real. He said, he, he went to the tomb and looked in, but he wasn't going in there. And then Peter, <laughs> Peter comes up and he passes John and goes right in the tomb. That's Peter. That is Peter, man. That's the person we laugh at and we go, I wouldn't be like that. And we know we all are like that. But Peter just goes, he books right inside. And then John gets a little bold, goes in there too. But it says here, Peter, uh, John ran faster than Peter, came to the tomb first, bent over, looked inside. He saw the strips lying there, but he didn't go inside. Peter arrived, went into the tomb, saw the strips of linen lying there. He also saw the cloth that had been on Jesus' head. It wasn't lying with the strips of linen, but was rolled separately. Then the other disciple who arrived at the tomb first, do you believe this guy? He is emphasizing, I'm faster, Jesus loves me more, I was there first, look at me, I'm all that, my name's John. I told you I read different than anybody else usually, all right. Then the other disciple arrived at the tomb first, went inside, he saw and believed, <clears throat> not believed that Jesus rose again, he saw and believed that Jesus ain't there anymore. 
Remember, he didn't go all the way in. But no, he wasn't believing like, oh yeah, it's the third day he rose again. That's not at all what it says. He believed that he wasn't there anymore. He went there thinking, that can't be true. Are you guys following me? Why? Follow this. They didn't know yet what scripture meant when it said that Jesus had to come back to life. So the disciples went back home. They just ran over there to find out, did she, was she telling the truth? Someone stole Jesus? Someone stole Jesus. John's like going, I got there first. I ain't going in there. Scary. There ain't no lights to flick on. It's probably dark in there. There could be a guy waiting for him. They walk in and they rob him or something. No, think about it. So John's like going, I ain't going in there. Peter's Peter, man. You don't have to go to the cross. Ah, you know, he's just like bold. He runs in. And he's like going, wow, he's not here. John goes in. Wow, I believe he's, someone took him. Are you guys following me? So this is the picture. I want you to see the picture. I don't want you to see the halo picture of Peter and the halo picture of John. Because that's a bunch of bull. Are you guys hearing me? That ain't real. That's religion. So we have this picture that's true. John chapter 21. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples. Again, appeared again to his disciples. You guys following me on this? These are his disciples. These are the ones that are, they're going to change the world. Turn it upside down, scripture says. Now think about this. After Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. Where? By the Sea of Tiberias. Not at church, not it. Okay, let's get on with this. Let's, let's get on with the call. Let's move. No, they're at the ocean. They're at the sea. All right. Simon, Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. That's a whole group of disciples there. All right. They're all, at the, they're all at the sea, some resort, I don't know. But they're hanging out by the sea. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples, and they're at the sea. Just want you to get that. Peter says, I'm going out to fish. Not what Jesus said, come Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Peter isn't going, come with me, and let's fish for people now. Let's fish for people. That's what Jesus said to follow me three and a half years later. And what's he doing? Let's go catch some bass. Heard they're big out here. Peter said, I'm going to go out to fish. And they said, we'll go with you. So they all went out, got under the boat, and went fishing. Huh? What, what's wrong with this picture? This picture is something that 
I believe, shows us so much. They heard Jesus teach. They heard him instruct. They, they heard these deep truths, though most of the time they didn't even believe it or understand it. I remember one instruction. This is probably one of the most deepest instructions that freaked out his disciples and the disciples. You think there's only 12. There are more than 12 disciples. There were a lot of disciples that were committed to do the work of Jesus. He had 12 that he specifically engaged in, but he had other disciples. You guys all understand that, right? So all his disciples, there's a whole bunch of disciples. There's the 12 there. And as they're there, he's communicating to not only them, but people. And, and, he, and he goes off into this really gruesome teaching. And that is, you want your life changed? You want saved? Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. Can you imagine? Jesus threw out this message that even his own disciples are going, oh my gosh, what'd he say? That's cannibalism. You can't, they can't do that. No, don't think they're sitting there going, halo. They're listening to Jesus, whom they're following, saying, you got to eat me. You got to drink my blood. It was that realistic and that powerful that the people, that it says scripturally that the people were leaving and the disciples, the other disciples were going, oh no, we're out. <laughs> this is crazy. We're out. And then Jesus turns to, 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 to 12 and he goes, y'all leaving too? Peter, Peter, right there, man. He's right there. He's going, where are we going to go? <laughs> I mean, you have the truth. Now, if you want my opinion, I wouldn't teach the way you teach. I, I know Peter's doing that. Because see, Jesus said, are you going to go too? Are you going to run from what I just said too? Peter didn't even answer that question. He goes, where are we going to go? Inside, he's going, that's crazy teaching. I mean, that's crazy teaching. I guarantee you, if we could go further in that natural area, he, he would, with the disciples going, don't talk about eating flesh and drinking blood. Talk about sparrows and trees. But the blood and flesh thing, let's put that to a side, Jesus. Wouldn't you guys agree? Come on, wouldn't you agree? Of course you would. You ain't going to go, cannibalism, let's follow that guy. Eat flesh, drink my blood. But see, that, that, that's the thing. We, we look at the reality of what's being done, and we look at Peter, and pretty much the disciples are going, yeah, I guess so. I mean, where else are we going to go? They're not, they're not in connection to what Jesus just said, but they are in connection with Jesus. They, these guys messed up on a consistent basis. Oh, by the way, the Last Supper, communion time, they started arguing who's the best. Don't tell me these guys are, you know, these, these straight-A, awesome, super spiritual group, because they're not. And then they got a little devil boy named Judas hanging out with them too. And they don't even get it. Jesus is like going, hey, the one who dubs him, he's a devil too. And they're like going, oh, I wonder who's that? 
That means Judas played the part so good that they were like going, he's one of us, man. He's one of us. Yeah, how many of you are going, he's one of us? And you put your arm around the devil. Oh, yeah, we ain't going there, are we? All right. So what is this life really about? I mean, really, I, honestly, what, what? See, this is the key. This is, this is where you go, yeah, that, they're out of it. They're not engaged. They're not connected. I mean, no one believes. No one believes. No one believes. We're celebrating the event of Jesus on the third day rising again. That's, that's why we're, well, we're here because it's Sunday. But it lands on Easter Sunday, All right? But the point is, is today we make an emphasis to look at resurrection, correct? Okay, this is what, this is the key, people. And I'm gonna show it, I'm gonna prove this stuff. But when we look at how this all unfolds, and, and literally go, wait a minute, let's, let's be clear and let's be precise on this, this historical evidence, this picture that we need to pay attention to. Because we're not in this picture. We're, we're after the fact. After the fact is the problem because we're not going back to the fact. I said after the fact is the problem because we're not going back to the fact. And that's what makes so many Christians out there wimpy. I mean, you'll turn and flip on a dime. How come? You'll watch some YouTube, you know, prophet or YouTube teacher, and all of a sudden you're, you're questioning your faith. You're questioning anything you've been taught. Just some goop on YouTube. He's got followers. Oh, that makes it real. Are you guys hearing me? This is serious stuff because this is what's going on. This is what's going on. Do you know that a Bible wasn't even created, not for you, but a Bible brought together for over 400 years after the resurrection? Over 400 years after the resurrection. Not that you could get and read, just over, over four. By the way, you couldn't get one until after 1,500 years after the resurrection. What is up with this? I'm showing you an exact order that will bring you to a place of empowerment and strength if you pay attention. Or you're going to be a wacko religious person your whole life because you don't get it. And I get this because I wasn't taught this in my years. I wasn't even taught this in Bible college. I had to figure it out myself. But this is the key to my life. I'm telling you right now, this is the key to my life and where I'm at today. I'm not perfect, but I'm founded. I'm unmovable. I'm unshakable in who I follow. No matter what, you know, YouTube Skippy Prophet or YouTube Pastor Joey says. Ain't going to manipulate me. It's not going to do anything to me. First of all, I'm not going to listen to that goofy stuff moving right along. Are you guys with me? So we have the picture. Well, I, excuse me. I said Bible 15. I meant New Testament. 
I mean, the, the Jews have had the Old Testament, the Torah and everything, all that together. I mean, that's pretty much, but it brought together New Testament involved in it was over 1,500 years. Now, how in the world can there even be a church? There's no Bible. How can there be a church? There's no Bible. You got to have a Bible. You got to memorize the Bible. You got to have scripture all memorized. You got to have power. You can't have authority. You got to have the Bible. Oh, do you? We'll just wipe out history and wipe out facts and wipe out the Bible because the Bible proves my point 100% about what I'm sharing with you right now. The, the, the issue at hand is this. People that have no understanding of anything, they're like going, cool, let's go. It's the religious people. You've been brought up in church. You have issues. And the issues are is your bad instruction foundations before. How do I know that? Because I got bad foundations that I had to reveal and get out. And I have to constantly make sure that I'm not going to be misled or led by something that isn't biblically true, but could be a foundation of my past instruction. I mean, two years of Bible college can screw you up. <laughs> it can. So the Bible didn't even come to a place of, 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 of a person reading it complete for 1,500 years. That's the beginning of it, by the way. I mean, literally, it was so, this is so crazy. If you ever read, read the story of, of, of Tyndale and stuff like that, and you see what happened, they literally killed the guy. England killed him for writing the New Testament and burned his copies. They tried to burn them all. This is how crazy religion, these weren't non-believers. This was religion, religion. What you have to see right now is, is the Bible did not create Christianity. Nor did Christians create Christianity. That's what you have to understand. Because to believe that, there was no church until you have a Bible. So let's throw out the New Testament because it's all written to. Say it. Don't be scared. Wait a minute. There can't be. There aren't any. There's no Bible. Are we waking up? We got anybody going. <gasps> Do we have any bulbs going off right now? You know, the cartoon. Ding, ding. How many could just leave me hanging? Because I'll go on a message on how not to treat your pastor. We'll forget about Resurrection Sunday right now. Resurrection created both. Resurrection created the Bible. Resurrection created the Christian faith. It's all about the resurrection. And this is why I need you to get this. It's about the resurrection. When I talk about the resurrection, I'm talking about Jesus dying and being risen again. It's so important to understand this because this resurrection is a foundational truth you all ought to know. I mean, that's part of the six, which I'll be teaching Saturday, that you have to know. You need to understand this. Actually, it's ABCs of the faith, but most people don't. Now, you're going to hear a lot of instruction going, oh, wait a minute, we sort of heard that stuff. Yeah, you have. I've been teaching all this stuff for years, just not in a 
doctrinal place of putting it in a form of this is doctrine. I don't even like the word. It sounds pure religious. But what it means, it's foundational teaching. I like that. I like foundational teaching. Why? Because I understand foundational teaching. I understand. I'm, I'm an athlete. Well, I was one. And I played every sport. And I understand. And I did it successfully, very successfully, ever since I was maybe five years old, on up successfully, awards, trophies, college, pro, you got it successfully outside of messed up life, but forget that part. But the point is, is every part of it is tied to foundation. Everything. Now I could come up and say, yeah, I played sports, but we always lost. And yeah, I did this, but I never could do this. And then I would be saying what? I played something, but I didn't learn the foundations because everything about success is tied to. Thank you. Exactly. So this foundation is the key. It is the key. The Bible is not the source of Christianity. Now, it's not the source, but it's the product of it. This is where it starts. You start going, oh, I get it now. I get it now. Because the belief of the resurrection is what produces a follower of Jesus. That's that and that alone. You might think, how? Well, this is the problem. We're, we're reading but not paying attention. We religiously read because we want to say, yeah, I read the Bible today. Yeah, I read. I read. And even in God's word, he's not even instructing you to go buy a Bible and read it. Nowhere. He's wanting you to learn through instruction which is all through scripture. And when you got a problem with that, it's because you're religious. You're, you, you like to use the term, the Holy, I don't need no man teach me, the Holy Spirit does. You take those, that two, there's only two that are tied together in context, talking to the disciples for them to be able to literally get the scripture out. But you use that for your rebellion to authority. Okay, moving right along, everybody's like going, oh, geez, what did I do wrong? How do we know this is fact? James. Paul. Think, now listen to me, people. Please pay attention. James is the first book that was written 30 years after the resurrection. James. Who's James? Half-brother of Jesus. Process. Please pay attention. He starts off and says, to the 12 tribes of Israel scattered abroad. Was he writing to Jews? He's writing to the, the Jewish religion? No. He's saying to the 12 tribes now scattered is not the meaning of everybody just scattered and started taking off and doing their thing. It literally is, is persecuted to the place of death and destruction, and they had to run. They had to get out. They're not there by choice. They're there by force. James writes this letter to all the 12 tribes of followers of Jesus that are scattered abroad. First letter written. To who? Jewish believers everywhere. And if you look at the book of James, you'll see, hey, 
come on, don't be fearful. Don't, we understand the trials. It's tough out there. It's tough. Get excited, throw a party. You got power. And that's why he's writing that. He's writing that to, to all these thousands of followers of Jesus. How can they be? They don't have no Bible. They don't even have the scripture to read. There's no scripture. What is carrying these people? What's empowering these people? What's giving them the ability to stand up to, you're going to die if you don't reject him, and them saying, well, I'm not rejecting. What is that? Because they got, they, they got Ephesians. No, there's no Ephesians. That comes 50 years later. Follow me. Paul writes, six or seven, all depends on who you're listening to, six or seven letters after James. Any kind of problem with there's no gospel yet? Mark doesn't come until later. That's the first gospel. What does that tell you? I believe that God has his hand on this whole picture. I don't believe everything's by coincidence or whoops, it's just, we made a mistake because, you know, Matthew should be first because it's written first. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They put that together. It's like God breathes stuff. But I need you to wake up. I need you to put on common sense hat and I need you to hear me because I'm talking about the power and the ability to stand beyond standing with this belief. Just this belief alone. Then it takes you to the next level. But without this foundation, you can fall. You can be deceived. You can be manipulated. But with the foundation of Jesus, resurrection, with the foundation of he rose again, it doesn't matter what Skippy believes on the YouTube. It doesn't matter. Why? Because... Do you know, I know I jump around, but I got so much information. You know, there's hundreds of thousands of Google information on all the inaccuracies in the Bible. Hundreds of thousands of pages of how the Bible is screwed up. Now think about that. Hundreds of thousands of pages Quote, experts saying, oh, the Bible this and the Bible that. You know what I say? Who cares? Whatever. See, I know that that's a hundred thousand, hundreds, hundreds of thousands of fools. But who cares? Since when has Googled my God? Because some of you, I mean, I'm serious, even in here. Though I'm talking to everybody out there. Because you go on YouTube, a lot of people are going to listen. But you, you establishing your faith and establishing your belief based upon YouTube goofiness, Facebook goofiness, Instagram, whatever. It's crazy. But I understand. I understand completely. Because your faith based on an inconsistency of foundation. You didn't start with the number one. You read Acts chapter 1, starts off with the foundation. 
the resurrection of Jesus. You read Acts chapter 2. It, started, it talks about the foundation of the resurrection of Jesus. You read Acts chapter 3. It talks about the foundation of the resurrection of Jesus. Acts chapter 4, the beginning of the book of Acts. The Acts of the beginning of the church from Jesus saying, this is what I need you to do. Acts 1, talk about the resurrection. On the beginning of the church it's about the resurrection. How do we get these letters to a church that doesn't exist? It, it can't exist because there's no Bible. Are you guys hearing now? They, they have to be able to read. They have to read the New Testament to be able to do this right. Well, really? Huh. Now, don't get me wrong. We have the Bible. We had the completed works that God wanted us to have. We have the instruction of Paul to, to Ephesus and Corinth and Galatia, different places all over that world. We have the works of Paul to the Romans, all, to all Rome. Who's he talking to? Roman? No, he's talking to believers. So we have these letters going out written to who? Believers. How are they believers? The resurrection. The resurrection. The resurrection. Do you see how this day changes now in your viewpoint? It's about, do you have a belief and a foundation of Jesus rose again? See, you can come and, and try to talk doctrine break down the Hebrew, the Latin, the Greek, the Aramaic, whatever, and try to convince me of something. But the truth of the matter is, is you can't convince me of anything because my faith is not founded because of a Bible. My faith is founded because of the resurrection of Jesus. Totally. Now you might be thinking, wait a minute, how can it be founded on just the resurrection? It's my life. It's your life. You just don't realize it. You didn't get saved because you believed the Bible. No one in here did. I didn't believe the Bible. You know, the time that I received Jesus, I sat, I sat down in my friend's house crying, going, I received Jesus. It's not because he convinced to me, convinced me that the Bible was real, that he opened up the scripture and said, see, it says it right here. There was no Bible in his conversation. There was no scripture in his communication. It was Jesus is alive. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. That is there no Bible scripture. And I got on my knees and I, and I said, Jesus, I believe. I believe who? A resurrected Lord. I didn't believe in. Well, he was crucified and his body and blood was shed, broken and shed. No! I believe because he was alive and he loved me. He rose again and he loved me. He rose again and had a plan for my life. Had zero to do with Bible. Had zero to do with church. I'm talking about me personally coming to this place of, I believe. Now, we, I'm using the term resurrection, but I mean, another word would be this. He's alive. <laughs> He's alive, right? He's alive because that's the, he, we all know he died. 
The disciples know. Everybody knows he's dead. The scripture says that they all went, they went back to their old ways. What? This is what I'm trying to engage in common sense. Y'all, come on now. What? Three and a half years, they saw miracles, signs, wonders. They saw the dead raised. They heard instruction and teaching that was beyond, beyond. They watched mercy and grace. They saw love and action. How come? How come? Three and a half years of that didn't empower them. How come? And that's the key. See, without the resurrection, we don't have any other truth. Without Jesus rising again, nothing else matters. The whole Bible does. You know, even Paul, Paul said, without the resurrection of Jesus, this is nothing but a big lie. This doesn't, this is, this doesn't even matter. Without the resurrection, Paul has so much insight that we need, that I need as a follower of Jesus. I need his information. I need to know my new identity. I need to understand what's available to me. I need to get hold of my covenant. I need to recognize what God has, has established for me as a believer and what for my family, for my marriage. And I need to know all this stuff. But I'm going to tell you right now, none of that matters if the resurrection isn't real and alive in my heart. Now do you guys get it? Oh yeah, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. You see, Jesus is alive, and I don't care what you think about Ephesians chapter three. It doesn't matter to me. See, you're trying to say, yeah, but if I can prove that that T is in the wrong area. I'm people, there are people, I mean, people in church. They don't, they don't get it. The foundation isn't the resurrection. I believe God was proving his point. I'm not even talking the gospel yet. I need you to get you information. To who? To the churches. How'd they become churches? Resurrection, baby. I'm resurrection, people. Resurrection. I'm in church. I got to watch that. Resurrection. Resurrection. See, the reason why you have difficulty in this church stuff or that, because you don't know what I'm talking about. You don't, the Bible is very clear on how to receive it. You can't receive it on the outside. It's spiritually discerned. You're trying to figure this thing out. You can't. That's why I never go to any. If I'm talking to someone about my life or Jesus, I don't go Bible to them. The Bible, look, look, says right here. If you don't receive Jesus, you're going to hell. It doesn't say that exactly. But what I'm saying is that doesn't even, this stuff doesn't matter. What matters is, is the ability for someone to see the gospel living out in my life to where they're going. Why aren't you acting the way the rest of us are? Why aren't you talking? Why, what's, what's so different about you? And I come back and start banging them on the head with a Bible? No. I see, because of who I believe. And I got a relationship. And it's good. 
I don't have to quote scripture to you. I don't even have to find where it's out. All I know is what I have is real. By the way, that is the whole story and history of the church. Because how do you write these letters if there's no church? How do you do it? There are all kinds. There's literally hundreds of thousands of believers with no Bible. Hundreds of thousands of believers that are gathering together. Can you imagine those services? Well, we don't have anything to read. But I can tell you this. Jesus is alive. He loves you. He rose again. Okay, let's go home. Oh, you tell me. You tell what? See, this is people that, that have this wrong concept. They're trying to click and get this word. No, what are they reading? They can read the Old Testament. What's the Old Testament? It's going to show Jesus had to come. That Messiah had to come, but he didn't have to not only come, he had to die and on the third day rise again. He's alive. Now, now they can't do anything other than that because they don't know the revelation of Paul. They got to be taught by Paul. So they, they can't even say, hey, but you got a new identity. They don't know that. See, when I start being more practical, you're like going, yeah, that's true. Why is so, this is so important to me? Because listen to what I'm saying. I believe with all my heart, this early church was the most powerful church of believers on planet Earth from the beginning to the end. I believe we don't even compete with the power that they walked in. And they didn't have anything. Why was it so real and alive? They just completely had the pureness, that pure ability to go. He died and rose again. This is real. And from that standpoint, it carried them on to be able to go to another person. Jesus died and he rose again. They can't go into anything else because there is no anything else. There's no scriptures. They can't bring the Old Testament in because that's law. Do you understand? Are you guys getting this? Because if you don't, you're going to keep playing your religious concept and you're going to rob people of success. We got to understand, I need Romans. I need Ephesians. I need Philippians. I need Colossians. But I need it on top of the foundation that Jesus is alive. Take my Bible, but you don't take my faith. Take it. You don't take my faith. You ain't going to take my faith. You can't steal my faith. You can rob the Bible. You can rob prayer. You can do all that government. You can do all that. But you can't steal what's inside of me. And that is Jesus is alive. He rose again. So I live every day knowing that. What does that mean? I live life. I got a family. I got two boys, two awesome boys. And we live life and we play video games. <laughs> Boom. We have fun. We do. We enjoy life. But we got to believe that Jesus is alive. Well, shouldn't that make you more holy? What? Define that. You can't. Because that's only spoken out of someone that's got a judgmental life. Totally. They're the ones that talk that trash. But it's only based upon their viewpoint of bad sin and not the viewpoint of them consistently making thousands 
of actions of sin every day by their division, their gossiping, their evil backbiting. That's worse. By the way, that's the listed in God's hate ones, not your big ones out there that you think are the worst. No, those are the worst. The sins of the mouth. And what do we get Christians, religious ones doing all the time? Sinning with the mouth. We like to judge the bad. Oh, you did this and you did that. You did that. Oh, I'm going to tell everybody I know. <laughs> Laugh it up, people, because I want you to be free. Yeah. I don't say this to, to, to help you hold on to that life. I say it for you to go, God, that is so real. Anybody been there, done that besides me? Oh, God, I got some truthful people in here. Thank you, Jesus. We all need to get saved. I got saved because of Jesus. That's it. I got saved because of Jesus. Amen. 1 Corinthians 2.13. 1 Corinthians 2.13. You might be going, then why are we reading the Bible? Because we have it. <laughs> this is to add to your awesomeness of, of knowing that Jesus rose again. Y'all in here, you know that Jesus rose again. Why'd you come here? Unless you want to get to know that risen one, you can have that too, promise you. But the focus is this. We're here because we're getting more information to help us on the foundation. 1 Corinthians 2.13 says this. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without this born-again spirit Receiving Jesus and Spirit coming alive does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. Watch this. For they are foolish to him. Anybody, you, you, you walk this outside of the Christian faith, you heard people, and you were like going, that's foolish, that's crazy talk. Anyone besides me? Okay, four others, y'all were born Christians. Okay, good. That's good to know. Well, I was one of those foolish ones. I heard, I heard my, my best friend received Jesus when I was, in, I was a sophomore and he received Jesus. He came over to my house. We played basketball. And he came over and said, I just received Jesus. I went, what? I didn't even know who Jesus was other than early on what happened at, at nine years old. And it was just like, okay, I don't know what that means. I don't, I don't get, I don't know where you're going with this. And he goes, Danny, that's what, my friends call me. Don't ever call me that. <laughs> Annie. Look at the flowers. I'm not kidding you. That's where he went with me. I'm about ready to play ball. Look at the flowers. God created those flowers. This guy's brand new in the face, so he doesn't really know what to do other than what's happening in his heart. And he's like freaking out over flowers. He goes, my life's changed. I can see, I can see God in those flowers. I can see God. Danny, you need to receive Jesus. I go on. You need to go home. <laughs> this is the honest truth. You need to go home. That was the last time. He was my buddy. The last time that we ever got together and hung out. That was it. Isn't that interesting? Why? because I couldn't get hold of this spiritual thing that he was into. It, it's, I can't. It's, it has to come in to be spiritually discerned that, oh, wow, look at those flowers. That is so cool. 
I mean, how in the world? Evolution didn't make that flower. Because why aren't the flower different over here? And the one's different over there. And why has this one got deeper color than that one? And you just go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. 15 times, 15 times for those people that are, you're, you're like Bible, 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 Bible. All right, 15 times. The Bible says, beware of, I mean, New Testament says, beware of false teachers, false prophets. Why is God saying 15 times beware of this? Because some of you aren't. And you're following goofy stuff because you don't know that's even in the scripture. There are 20 plus times the Bible says, don't be deceived. Why is it telling me don't be deceived 20 plus times in the New Testament? Because you can be deceived. How do you get deceived? How do you allow something that's false be able to enter in? Because you're not a foundation. It's only foundation. I could honestly, I could write up, and I don't even know trigonometry, but I could write up, just look up a picture and write up trigonometry and, and it'd be all screwed up and say, you know, just to let you know that's, that's a trigonometry equation. And everybody in here would go, wow, that's cool. Except the ones in new trigonometry that go, that doesn't even make sense. Does anybody hear me? Is that a true statement? I should have did that just for analogy and not say that I didn't know and just write it up there. And everybody would say, it's just the nature of flesh to go. Yeah, yeah don't call on me, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Am I telling the truth? All right. Y'all get something this morning? Jesus alive. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.